0: Our podcast has been rated in the top one half percent of all podcasts in the world by listennotes.com. So you know your message will be heard. Now, here is your host with today's interview, Pastor Bob Thibodeau.
1: Hello, everyone, everywhere. Pastor Robert Thibodeau here. Welcome to the Kingdom Crossroads podcast. Today, we're so blessed that you're joining us. You know, many people find themselves consumed with success. How we define that success is is really what determines the difference between happiness and sorrow. A life of fulfillment or a life of sadness. For one person, they may have it all. Career, success, family, and feel alone and unfulfilled. For another, they go through all of their life without all of the fabulous amenities, but feel like they're making a difference. So the question is, what makes the difference? Well, our guest today is Dr. Donna Chaco. She lives this type, or she has lived this type of turmoil. On the outside, it looked like she had it all: lucrative, rewarding career, beautiful family, comfortable home. But inside, not so much. Her marriage is on the brink of collapse. Crises were brewing. Her home felt like like her heart. It was about to break. Donna Chaco is a medical doctor who loves to share what she learned about healing during her decades practicing medicine and during her long, difficult marriage. Donna practiced radiation oncology and then later family medicine. She and her first husband raised three daughters down in Florida. After his death, she moved to Washington, D.C., where she cared for the poor until 2013. Now retired, Donna lives in Maryland with her second husband and works in the ministry she founded, Serenity and Health. In September 2021, she was designated a change maker by the Institute for Lifestyle Medicine. She also published an award-winning book in 2021 titled Pilgrimage, A Doctor's Healing Journey. Now, in this book, Donna lays her life bare as she digs into her upbringing, her relationships, life choices, and fears, and a deeply personal journey towards healing and wholeness. Pilgrimage has won several awards. It's an Amazon bestseller. It's won first place in the 2022 Catholic Media Association categories of marriage and family and self-published books. It's had an honorable mention in self-help and healing. Pilgrimage has also been a gold medal winner in the Illumination Book Awards and in the Reader's View Literary Awards. And she was both a gold medal winner and a favorite five-star winner. (laughs) Praise God. Help me welcome to the program, Dr. Donna Chaco. Donna, it is such a blessing to have you on the program today. I do appreciate it.
2: Well, I feel like I'm the one that's being blessed. So thank you so much for having me, Bob.
1: Amen. Now, the first question I always start with is this. Other than that brief information I just shared, can you tell us in your own words, who is Donna Chaco?
2: Well, you know, I have a stock answer that I would have used in the past. I would have said, oh, uh, I'm a doctor now. I'm retired, and uh, I'm a, a wife and a mother and a grandmother, and I'm an author. But uh, now I understand way more clearly that what I really am, you know, is a, a child of God, uh, a, a daughter of God trying to live his will in my life. And that really has become the my foundation and my path. And as it turns out in my message, also the foundation for, you know, a healthy, healing life.
1: Amen. Amen. So let's start by backing the clock up a little bit and get some background to your story. Why did you decide to study medicine as a career choice?
2: Ah, well, back in the day, uh there were I went to a catholic uh high school for girls and we didn't have college counselors or anything and I did well in school and I liked science and I uh and I liked people, I was pretty, you know, people oriented. Uh but I had no idea what to do and basically just Accidentally, as I was nearing graduation of high school, some friend said, well, "What are you going to do?" And I said, "I don't know. I'm, I, you know, maybe maybe I should. I don't want to be a teacher, and I don't want to work in a lab, but I like people, and I like science." And the the girlfriend said, "Well, why don't you be a doctor?" And it never had entered my mind. I mean, I never even met or seen a woman physician in those days. And I graduated high school in sixty seven. So anyway, uh, from that point on. That's was my direction
1: amen amen and how did you end up in the field of radiation oncology of all the fields? How did you pick that
2: of one? all the fields actually that was a a very a thoughtful decision uh, I had some experience in the field in um medical school, and it was it was really meaningful to to watch you know the experienced doctors work with the cancer patients and I could see that they had to have good relationships, but I also saw that it was um, a field that involved um, really good communication between the different specialties. You had to know the pathology. You had to know the imaging. You had to frequently discuss with the surgeon the details of the situation in order to plan the radiation therapy. So those things appealed. But I was also being very practical, Bob, because um, I was married at that time. I married young, which was part of my story, (laughs) and uh, did not have children yet, but I anticipated we would. And I thought, well, gee, this is a field where I could have really close relationships with patients, but it's not primary care medicine. I would not be the 24-hour on-call person for every problem. And perhaps that would allow me to uh manage better as a working mother so that's why i did it and and in that respect it was a really good decision i i really treasured those years as a radiation oncologist plus it was the old school medicine our, our healthcare care system was a little more intact back then. You know, there were no referrals. There was time to talk to my colleagues about each patient. I mean, I would get a telephone call. Hey, Donna, would you see Mrs. So-and-so? She's got a lump in her breast and da-da-da. You know, just it's hard to do those things in today's medical yeah, uh, yeah. field.
1: Amen. Amen. So w- did you meet your husband after you started practice or in medical school? No, I,
2: I met him in high school. I I know. I'm sorry. I met him after my sophomore year of college. Okay. Mm -hmm. And part of the story was that six weeks after I met him, I told him I would he asked me to marry him and I said, yes. And so I was, uh, that's one of the big questions I had to try and understand as the decades passed. Wow. Why did I do that so fast? (laughs) So young.
1: (laughs) Amen. Well, yeah, my, my listeners know, you know, I was, I joined the military straight out of high school. I mean, I graduated on like the the 14th and I was in basic training on the 24th. Wow.
2: Right?
1: And, but I had planned it for nine months. You know, I, I mean, I was enlisted in September waiting to go. That's all I ever wanted to do. And, uh, and, you know, when my wife and I look at our daughters and the grandkids and, you know, they she says, he's too young to, you know, have be engaged and stuff. He, he's 25. I
0: said,
1: I was 19, married and two kids. So, I mean,
2: yeah,
1: so, you know, but uh, yeah, I I understand both starting young. I understand that completely. So in your book, you state that, that marriage had its ups and downs. Were there warning signs before you actually got married that you look back on now and say, why didn't I see that?
2: I've thought a lot about this. And I think that any warning sign that might have come up or any hesitation I had, I just squashed because of my insecurities or uh, my inability to, to speak my truth. You know, for example, this getting engaged in six weeks. Um, I think I loved him, but I also felt that was fast. Like wow, and if I had been honest, I would have just said, "Hey, I I really think I love you." He was ten years older than me, what way more experienced, had traveled the world. You know, I was like swept off my feet, and but I was unable to say, let's "Just let's just wait six months or a year," you know, uh, be, because I guess I was afraid I would lose him, or or he would be mad, or whatever, and if that pattern was repeated many many times and then pretty soon you have a relationship that's um uh, very dysfunctional if one person is just not speaking their truth even about small things you know
0: yeah and
2: Amen. so I, I would say that was that's the one thing i look back at and realize that was my contribution to our very messy and dysfunctional marriage that I wasn't honest with him. I was unable to uh, stand up for myself or speak my truth.
1: What was your, what was your career like in in your life down in Florida?
2: Busy. (laughs) (laughs) I just wrote, I'm just writing a blog about uh, something called hurry sickness. I had a bad case of, hurry sickness because I was always rushing because I was always busy. uh, Because one of the other uh, issues in my marriage is that my husband was not really a participant with raising the children or the household or anything like that. He, he, he was from another country. It wasn't what he was used to. And uh, it was just one of those other things that, I guess I could have stood up more strong. I don't know how you make somebody do something uh, or, you know, I, but I never set limits. And so I just was uh, pretty crazy busy and it made for, made it for difficult times because I was probably overstressed and tired and cranky and irritable. It wasn't good for the kids. That's for sure. Yeah. So uh, in one sense, it was a wonderful life because I loved my practice and I love my three daughters and, um, Florida was beautiful, but there was a lot of grief going on <laughs> for those yeah. years,
1: yeah, hey, amen. I mean, from the outside, you know while living and practicing medicine in Florida, I mean you must have been the the poster card for success, right?
2: You know our three daughters are spectacularly beautiful they the in high school, for example, they were all smart popular two of them were homecoming queens one was on the court and so yes and we lived in the big brick house uh it it looked probably looked pretty good i guess um but inside like you said in your intro not so much Mm -hmm. you know and i've come to learn as the decades have passed more about how hard that was for my kids but you know what's really interesting bob um I had really good parents. I had a good upraising. I didn't have childhood trauma. I don't know if you're aware of the Ace score. I just love to educate people about that. The adverse um childhood experiences and and how the more of those you have, the more problems you're gonna have mm-hmm. with um behavioral mental and physical health well and it, it, i didn't have any of those things right wow. and here i was fully educated and in, in a wonderful profession and it's just so interesting to me how i i had no standing in my own mind enough to stand up for myself yeah. and um it just goes a lot to to talk about the power of these, you know, imprints, these things we learn as childhood that, that work when we're kids to protect us, I guess, to be the nice girl, to not make wrinkles, to not upset people. Um, and they just become so ingrained, you just kind of keep doing it. And plus, the other thing, and this is another big lesson, if you don't, stand up for yourself then, and you don't ever take any time for yourself. And like for me, for God, I let my faith slide because I just, it was at the bottom of the list and I just, I let it slide. And so here I had all of these advantages and yet I couldn't, uh, see or understand all of that at the time. I didn't, I, I didn't, I took me, um, until a few years, a couple years after my husband died, to even put the word abuse, to say I was emotionally abused in that marriage. Because I think I was, but I couldn't see it or say it or admit it. And yet, just gives me so much sympathy for victims of domestic abuse because if, if I, who had all those advantages just kind of wallowed in it for all those years, Yeah, you know? Yeah.
1: Was I it just, that. was it just emotional abuse or just, was it was yes, physical abuse? absolutely.
2: Was there was it? never any physical abuse. Yeah. And he, he, um, you know, the girls were kind of in the middle of it. There was cultural differences. My husband was from India hmm. and, you know, his idea of, of raising a teenage daughter was very different than, my idea and certainly way different than my daughter's thought it should be (laughs) and uh yeah so you know we battled over them a lot and that's why there was so much dysfunction that's really was what caused me the greatest pain just slowly realizing that this was just an awful environment for the children that's what finally led me to to some action or another which we'll get into
1: (laughs) well let's let's get into that uh tell us about the next step what happened
2: well i mean i went to the divorce lawyer more than once and uh but by this time i was um had come back to my faith and i was praying about this and i was just in such a conflict over whether I should get a divorce or not because I knew that that didn't solve the problems. He was still their father and would still be involved and we would still have to deal with stuff. I just, I just couldn't decide what to do. It just, uh, in my book, which describes all this, I, I wrote, I, I I don't know if I was, you know, embarrassed, ashamed, uh, afraid, or just thought it was wrong or who knows what I was thinking, it was complicated. But there, there came a point in time when I was so desperate and I was so miserable, and all of a sudden it dawned on me, though, that over the prior year, uh, my husband had done three major things that, to to help the relationship and it was like god kind of uh, convicted me at that moment i i was i was like oh because he had there's a, a special um weekend retreat for disastrous marriages on the brink kind of like marriage encounter on steroids it's called retrovi and uh, we had gone years before. He agreed to go again. He finally agreed to let my um, youngest daughter had never been baptized. Get her baptized in the church. And at this moment, the third escapes me. But there were three major things. Anyway, the bottom line was I felt that this was pretty clear indication that it was like you know that little distant voice three times. And then finally, are you talking to me? So anyway, (laughs) that's how it seemed at the time. To me, at that time, it was very clear that I was supposed to stay married. And I told him I was going to stop the uh, divorce um, efforts and that we would stay married. My kids were middle school and high school at this time. And I did. And it did give a sense of relief. I mean, just to take that issue off the table yeah, in itself, yeah. uh, there was improvement in our relationship. But from that point, there were um, we didn't get to enjoy a lot of peace and quiet because uh, two of my daughters had significant medical issues at that time. One was a chronic blood disorder and the other was an eating disorder. And life was like, whew. And then around that time, my husband was diagnosed with pre-leukemia, which became leukemia. And a few years later, he died. So when all that happened, it was like, whoa, God, this is a lot. (laughs) What what does all this mean? But um, uh, I was much closer to the Lord by that time than I was when I was going through the difficult years.
1: At, at what point and why did you make the decision to enter family medicine rather than continue with radiation oncology
2: after he died um the girls were in college or soon to go to college and i began to feel that i wanted to have some flexibility like my field was wonderful and i loved it but it was also pretty narrow and i wasn't uh, competent, I did not think to even like volunteer at the free clinic. Mm. And by this time, I I was, um, you know, I had some good savings. Uh, my husband had set up a trust before he died, and I thought, well, I maybe there's a way I could work more directly in primary care in some way. And originally, I thought it would be a real simple transition. I didn't realize I was going to have to do a whole three year residency that was kind of like a shock but um so, were, were you one of
1: the oldest residents there oh
2: my gosh i was <laughs> five way older yes one of the one of my co-residents was born the year i graduated medical school i was like oh my god <laughs> but, it, but it was um it was quite Challenging and fun, though, really to understand healthcare in a much broader sense, you know, and complicated, way hard. You know what I mean? Yeah. I just I had to try and understand all of the different organ systems, and whew, yeah, that's a lot.
1: <laughs> I I, I kind of know what you're talking about because when you know, we talked before the recording. My background, and when I went to the police academy, I was 45 years old.
2: Oh, and
1: all of the cops in you know in the academy, the majority of them were in their mid 20s. Mm-hmm. Right? Was uh, that you know, a fun so experience?
2: So. Was that a fun experience?
1: Oh, absolutely! I loved it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and you know, but you know, my nickname was, of course, Pops.
2: Oh, gosh.
1: And, uh, we'd be out on the road, uh, you know, on patrol and stuff, you know, hey, pops, you know, they, uh, that was just what they called me, you know. But, uh, yeah. But because of my military background and all that, I didn't have any problems with it and, uh, you know, doing the job and, you know, staying up with the young guys and all that. Matter of fact, you know, uh, we talked, you know, about my job mainly being highway patrol. Uh, I was involved in four foot chases while I was out on the road, the two, three years I was on the road before I got promoted and was a supervisor. And I won all four of them. I caught all four of them. And wow, the the young guys, you know, we'd be down in the cell writing up the paperwork, and and they'd be teasing the the guy I arrest. I said, "You let that old guy catch you? The dude's <laughs> faster than he looks." <laughs> <You know?
2: laughs> Good for you, <laughs> but, yeah.
1: but I understand, you know, with, you know my my uh, field training officer, he was born the year I was getting out of the military. There you go, <laughs>
2: same like, exact thing. <laughs> yeah, but you know, it, it's um. I'm sure you're very glad you did that. I'm glad I did it. And hopefully listeners out there, if you can figure out a way, if you're not, if what you're doing is not working, it's never too late.
1: Age is just a date on the calendar. It's not what's in the mind.
2: There you go. Although, and then as we get into more and more of my message, you'll have more success doing these things if you've taken care of your health.
1: Yes. Absolutely. Absolutely. So, so what was the retraining and and going through that transition? When you you said you had to do your residency, was the doctor that you were working under, uh, you know, kind of hesitant because of your background at at sharing stuff? They
2: were very confused about me, to be honest, because in (laughs) some sense I had so much experience, you know, I was an expert in cancer and uh, had done a lot, lot more physical examination skills than they did. In the old days, we learned more of those things than young doctors do, because now there's more technology that takes over some of those. Um, but they were, I, they were respectful and kind and, and, but recognized as I did that there was a lot I needed to know. I mean, I didn't, think about the medications. I didn't use those medications or like I I struggled with the immunizations. There's so many immunizations to keep track of when you have a a child in the clinic and the kids, the children were the hardest for me because I had been seeing adults all those years. So, you know, children, and we had our uh, pediatric rotation in the Specialty Children's Hospital, all Children's Hospital in Saint Petersburg, Florida. It's, it's, a, it's a renowned hospital, really. And we were then in rotation with the pediatric residents, who clearly had more experience. Right? That's what they did all the time, not just one month. And uh, whew, that was that was my that was my hardest uh, uh, rotation, where I really, really was challenged. On the last day, I'll never forget. I uh, was supposed to, I think I had been up most of the Friday night and it was, if it was supposed to end on Saturday after that rotation. So Saturday morning, but I don't, I wasn't feeling well No wonder. Right. Uh And I just seemed to not be able to get my morning stuff done. And the day was going on. I felt sicker and sick. Finally, I just, I, we had all these index cards. I gave my cards and I said, I have to leave. I'm sick. And I, I mean, Driving home, I had a pullover, and I was vomiting, and I had some pediatric illnesses. Left. I felt like oh, leaving leaving in high form.
1: <laughs> hey, man. Did, did, uh, while you're going through your residency and all that, did you see any of the people that you had worked with before? And they're like, hey, yes. what are you doing here? You
2: well, yes. That. Yes, exactly. The fa- See, the thing was, the hospital that had the family practice residency was not that far from where I had worked. So there was a little overlap of staff. I remember one time I was um, at the bedside of a patient with an attending physician, and he was explaining something to me about the patient. I think it was about a cardiac exam or something. He was showing me something, right? And then the father of the patient or, no, the daughter, the son, I'm sorry, the son of the patient comes in and they're looking at me like, what are you doing? Because I had been their doctor, you know, 10 uh, years before. Like, who, what, what kind of a changing role is this? It was funny.
1: <laughs> I, I could see someone walking and say, oh, no, they don't have cancer too, right? <laughs> exactly,
2: exactly. Exactly.
1: Oh, my goodness. Hey, Amen. That's an interesting story, I'm telling you.
2: Well, you know, one other thing about it was funny. When I announced that I was doing this, uh, I was like a mini celebrity for a while. And, and some people thought it was like just exciting and wonderful, and they wished they could do something so cool. But many people thought I was just off my rocker. And because irradiation oncology has a reputation of being one. It's not, I don't know that it really is, but it has the reputation of being like the cushiest, wonderful, highest paying specialty there is that, well, you don't have to work hundreds of hours and blah, blah, blah. Yeah. So you're leaving that field?
1: (laughs) (laughs) Amen. Hey, folks, Pastor Bob here. We're all out of time for this portion of the interview with Dr. Donna Chaco. Uh, She's been sharing with us from her book, Pilgrimage, A Doctor's Healing Journey. And she really has been laying her life bare for us. I mean, she's been going into detail about, you know, marrying too young and rushing into marriage and then the pitfalls of emotional abuse, physical abuse. Folks, you know, she's sharing things that, we can relate to just about every person has either experienced or knows someone who is going through these things and that's why she wrote this book that's why she came on the podcast to share with us today because i know that someone out there is being inspired by her inspiration by her background by her sharing her story right and then she's talking about how she changed careers just all of a sudden just decided that she was gonna you know go to from specializing and uh Uh, oncology to go into family health because she wanted to be closer to the patients. Oh, you need to understand this book is something that will help you, inspire you and just transform your life because she is sharing from her heart. And I know someone out there can relate to this. So Go down the show notes, click the links right there, get in touch with her, sign up for her blog. All that information is right there in the show notes. Be sure you order a book, and also be sure that you come back for part two of our interview with Donna in the very next episode. Till then, this past about reminding you to be blessed in all that you do.
0: Thank you for listening to today's episode of the Kingdom Crossroads Podcast. Please subscribe to our podcast so you can be notified when another episode is published.